And now, here's Gene Steinberg. In 2006, we started the PowerCast with a previous co-host, and we had no clue where it was going to be, where it was going to end or begin. We were just taking a stab in the dark, as people do, shooting from the hip, no long-range game plan. And over the next five and a half years, the show became a cult favorite around the world. Last year, we began being syndicated in the USA on the GCN, or Genesis Communications Network. And folks, that's the network on which Alex Jones is the premier act. He's the show where Charlie Sheen, in his craziest mode, appeared. Okay, so we're on a network with a lot of listeners. I got the word from our affiliate manager just a few days ago that effective this weekend, the PowerCast debuts on WVNJ 1130 AM in Teaneck, New Jersey, which covers New York City, most of New York City, Long Island, and New Jersey. We're in the number one market in the nation. Imagine that. It's a big time, Gene. Well, we just need some big time income to go with it. <laughs> yeah, that would help, wouldn't it? Jeez. I got to tell Yeah, you. that's exciting news. And, uh, you know, we're making inroads in other uh, cities as well. We'll have updates on, on how this whole thing is developing. And uh, it's it's exciting. I think that there's a a tremendous thirst out there for people to get non-true believer and non-debunker, you know, somewhere in between uh, information about these wonderful subjects that we're also interested in. And I think it just shows that the quality of uh, the listeners and uh, people, you know, contacting their their radio, local radio stations and asking uh, for the show to be included on there. We're really starting to see some movement on, on that front. And I think, Gene, uh, if anybody uh, deserves to have a, uh, you know, <laughs> a bunch of big market audiences, uh, I think it's the Paracast. I think so, too. I think that far too long we've had certain radio shows that are out there just to pander to their listeners. They're not interested in factual information. They just want to have those wild claims and say, gosh, golly, gee whiz, isn't this extraordinary? Let's get on to the next guest and the next commercial. Right. Well, we separate the signal from the noise. That's our motto. And this week we also have a brand new logo on the site, yeah. courtesy of a person who chooses to remain anonymous, but it's a brilliant piece of artwork, and it represents our new direction. But with all the good news, <laughs> there's something that's happened out there, and I guess we've got to get uh, in front of the story. That's oh not boy. so pleasant. Nope. Okay. Before we explain what's going on, and before we even tell you about our great guest for this week... Over the years, we've had several appearances from a longtime UFO paranormal investigator, Phil Imbrogno. He reportedly worked with Dr. J. Allen Hynek. He investigated sightings for years. This week, he announced that he is pulling out of paranormal research. But therein lies a tale. Chris, what went on? Well, the Paracast is, is uh, and, and I, I think, you know, I really need to underscore this. The Paracast has quite a, a width and breadth of, of listenership, and... Some of our listeners tend to be on the uber skeptic side, uh, almost to the to the point of being debunkers, uh, if you will. But one thing that you can't argue with is good research. And when Phil was on the last time, one of our listeners just felt something was a little strange about him touting uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology or MIT, and uh, which he has had as a, you know, he's supposedly just received last year his doctorate from MIT, and he had a master's from there. And uh, our listener uh, took it upon himself to just double-check with uh, with MIT about his credentials. And 
Much to his surprise, or maybe not, uh, he found out that there was no record of a Phil Imbrogno at MIT. He has sat on this story, much to his credit, to make sure that he's dotted, dotted his I's and crossed his T's and not gotten ahead of himself here. But myself and another investigator have uh, done some digging into this, and sure enough, there is no record of a Phil Imbrogno at MIT. And, I mean, the guy's been a middle school science teacher for, I think, at least 20 years He's written some excellent books. Uh, I've always looked up to his work. Uh, I don't know the man personally. I've never actually met him. But I've, I've read quite a number of his books, uh, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. And to find out that there's been not only an embellishment of educational credentials, but an outright you know, falsehood about where he has uh, gained his postgraduate uh, degrees from. And I can't find any excuse for that, and unfortunately, we're going to have to, like you said, Gene, stay out in front of this story and announce that, hey, uh, this could be the reason why Mr. Imbrogno has decided to totally divest himself from any involvement in the paranormal field because he got caught. He's been busted uh, red-handed, and this this really bums me out. I mean, I've like I said, I've looked up to Phil. I've looked up to his work, and now it calls, all that work is being called into question. And uh, I really think it's unfortunate. I think we owe it to our audience. We owe it to our wonderful, dedicated listeners who have gone the extra extra mile and done the research and actually asked the hard questions. And, you know, myself and another investigator have been able to verify this very unfortunate fact. And unfortunately, we have to be the ones to really break the news and, and tell you we have a major scandal here in in, you know, the realm of the UFO and the paranormal. It's... It's it's I'm really sad to have to talk like this and and say this. But, you know, facts are facts. And, you know, if you have some sort of rationale that you can, you know, (laughs) come up with, Mr. Imbrogno, to uh, explain this uh, discrepancy in what you claim and what appears to be the real deal. You know, we invite you to go on on back on the show here and talk to us about it. But. You know, Gene, it's really, it's just a sad day for the field when uh, we find out something like this about somebody who, you know, a lot of people out there hold in high regard. Unfortunately, also, and I'm sad, too, because we had some great shows with Phil over the years. Unfortunately, this happens occasionally in all fields where people have fake credentials and they get busted eventually and... They, of course, have to pay by being ostracized, losing their jobs, etc. We've had situations, for example, in the journalistic industry, and we'll get into more of this for a reason in a moment, where newspaper reporters for places even like the New York Times have made up stories. And as a result, they get fired. I believe one person won a Pulitzer Prize based on a made-up story. I might have that information mm-hmm. wrong. It happens occasionally. It's unfortunate that people do this in all walks of life. They fake their credentials. Now, as a matter of fact, if you want to ask about my credentials, I have none. I don't pretend to have anything. I have a college-level education on broadcasting. That's it, folks. The rest is from the School of Hard Knocks. That's all I know. So if you like what I say, it's not because of my education. And I hope I've learned a few things in the last 400 decades. But that's it. I'm not claiming anything special. And I know Chris has had this incredible amount of field research experience, but he's not here touting his great doctorates, all thousand doctorates that he has. You know, if you like his research, if you appreciate what he does, if you like him on the show and he gets better and better every week, and that's not just something to say. I've been listening to the show as I do post-production, 
and he's getting better and better. He's really a crack interviewer. He has a wealth of knowledge we haven't only begun to tap. And this could be better for everyone. I mean, this man is fabulous. And I think our listeners, as you learn to know Chris as I do, as a friend, as a colleague, and also as an expert investigator, you'll appreciate that. That's one way where we're blessed on the Paracast. We have a real field investigator, not just a couple of radio broadcasters. And we're going to have also, in just a minute or two here, a real journalist. Oh, a boy. journalist who worked for the National Enquirer. And people say, well, okay, it's show business and <laughs> scandals and all that crazy stuff. No. Paul Bannister. More than that. He's a lot more. Paul Bannister is a serious journalist with an incredible background and war stories like you can't believe. He's got a new book out called Tabloid Man. It's just reaching the stands. I know that the printed edition should arrive in the United States soon. It's available as an e-book. And believe you me, he worked for the National Enquirer during their heyday in the 1980s. And he met the rich and the famous, even Prince Charles. Can you believe that? Yeah. I can't wait. This is going to be such a fun episode. It, it just reminds me of that, that wonderful scene in, in the original Men in Black movie where Tommy Lee Jones stops at the newsstand, picks up one of the tabloid rags. And, and you know, of course, Will Smith goes, well, what are you reading that for? He goes, well, you know, I got to... Find out what's going on out there. And he says, you don't believe that. And he says, well, there's got to get this information out to the public somehow. Paul Bannister is going to get the word out. Coming up next on The Paracast. Okay, so who is watching your home when you're not there? Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world-famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions. You can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $39 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. You've heard a lot lately about Zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. 
Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com, that's Z-E-O-King.com, for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. We have Paul Bannister. The book is called Tabloid Man and the Baffling Chair of Death with a subtitle revealed, Shocking Secrets of the Scandal Sheets. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Now, as I was saying in the preamble with Chris, years ago we always thought of the tabloids, the supermarket tabloids, as it were, as a sleazy form of journalism. You didn't take him seriously. I guess until Senator John Edwards and his secret came out because of the National Enquirer. So of all the things one wants to do, how did you get yourself working with one of those publications? Well, hello, hello, Gene, Chris. Well, it's straightforward. I was working for national newspapers in Britain. Um, I'd worked for the Daily Mail and the Sun and the Telegraph, and I also did a bit of time with the BBC. So I actually came from a fairly respectable background, and they had hunted me, along with a lot of other Brit journalists, because the, the publisher of the Enquirer, maybe we'll talk about that later, but he wanted Brit journalists because it was, we were in a very, very competitive field, and he wanted people who his attack dogs. Let me just break that down a little bit here. What is there about British journalists compared to American journalists? Not as competitive here because of the number of newspapers out there? 
that's some of it. The other is that we're all taller, more handsome, and and, and more intelligent. But we'll, <laughs> Speak um, for yourself. We'll mention. <laughs> At that time, I'm talking back in the 70s, 80s, there were, what, let me see, eight national daily newspapers plus a couple of regional papers in every city. So you had 10, a dozen papers maybe, evening papers too, don't forget, all in, uh, in a small space, uh, you know, 60 million people in a place the size of California. Easy to distribute them. People would take one, two, maybe even three daily papers, you know, two mornings and an evening. A lot of competition on stories. The result was you got these very uh, competitive journalists. I mean, if you didn't deliver, you weren't going to keep your job. Of course, Pope wanted that when he, he started the Enquirer. Now, we always thought that they were just making stories up. What were the marching orders from the no, publisher? Let, 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 me just run, let me just do a quick rundown on the history. Paint a bit of background, if you like. Pope uh, was the son of a quarry millionaire. He was a mafioso. He was from New Jersey. Um, he bought the New York Enquirer for $75,000 off um, a loan from his godfather, literally his godfather, Frank Costello, who, who was the capo of the Bonanno mob in, in New York. He turned the, the New York Enquirer into a million circulation a week uh, paper, mostly on gory stories. He saw that people gathered around traffic accidents, for instance. So he said, well, if they're attracted to those, let's run them in the paper. And so he did. He ran gory pictures and had headlines like, I use my dead baby's face for an ashtray. Anyway, Pope got into Was it all trend. true, though? You're saying it was all true, but he sensationalized he, he used, it. Yeah, he did, actually. He used court cases and traffic accidents, quite literally. Pictures of, of you know, bloody bodies from murders and so on. He got, he got um, crime scene pictures. And this was a newspaper, a news magazine, a weekly news magazine in New York. And he moved it to Florida. Various reasons I discuss in, in the book. Not going to now. And... Um, he set about, he realized he couldn't market these things the way he wanted. He couldn't market through a supermarket checkout, which was one of his strokes of genius, I feel, uh, because they wouldn't let that kind of raunchy story in among the frozen produce and so on, you know. So he modeled the new Enquirer, the National Enquirer, on Reader's Digest. It would carry about 70 or 80 stories every week. And it was, it was all kinds of categories of stories. It, it might be um, celebrity, some celebrity, not as much as there is now, obviously. Occult, you know, predictions, research into the occult, ghost stories, things like that. How-to stories, the, the reader has to be more creative, how to be a better listener, how to choose a pet, that kind of thing. And then, then sort of help stories, like how to be thrifty and you know, stretch your grocery dollar, government waste stories, reader polls, UFO stories, medical breakthroughs, a whole spectrum. Now, over time... And since Pope's death in the 80s, the Enquirer's gone to become a celebrity uh, rag sheet. You know, it's really just following celebrities. But then in the 70s and 80s, it really wasn't. It, carried, uh, it was really like a down-market Reader's Digest. Lots of stories, lots of subjects. Now, how do they ensure the accuracy of all this stuff? Oh, well, very well. First of all, they didn't lose any libel action. And that's, that's a consideration. You know, you, you, the... the the libel insurance was in the region of $40,000 a month because, you know, somebody hits you with a $20 million suit. That's a lot of, a lot of premiums. So Pope spent nearly $2 million a month on a research department. Everything that went in the paper literally was checked. If there was a direct quote, the, the reporters were instructed to tape record interviews. And if we used a direct quote, we had somebody in the back room there in the research department 
going over the story before it went in the paper, and they would literally put a dot over every word of a direct quote to ensure it was on the tape, on the interview tape. And they would check the, the other facts in the story, too. If you, you know, a lot of traditional journalists just rely on notebooks where quotes can be different. Pope didn't trust us reporters. Um, I came from a background where the reporter got it right or got fired. Pope's attitude was, we don't want you to write the story. We want you to give us a file of a couple of thousand words for a 300-word story. And we will rewrite your file into the story, we, into the story that we want. Okay, so um, you're compartmentalizing. It's almost like the way TV does it today with the producer. And then they do the actual research and writing, and it's read by a host. In your case, someone like you would do the research, the legwork, and they had in-house writers who would take the material. That's true, yeah. And they, they would write it to the house style, right to the, the uh, inquirer style. Um, now, just, this doesn't mean that, you know, um, the reporters went out there and slavishly got the exact thing because there was one big, big flaw with the system. And that was that Pope was such a tyrant um, and he, he set his he, he created editorial teams that worked against each other. So he had maybe a dozen or 14 editors and each had a team of five, six, seven, eight reporters. But they worked, they didn't work cooperatively. They worked in competition and literally in competition. They often put two editorial teams into the same city for a week and say, whoever comes, let's see who comes up with the most stories, the most good stories. And uh, the loser stands a good chance of losing his job. So uh, w what tended to happen was the editors, because of the system that was set up, slavishly followed Pope's dictates. Um, we had a system of leeches. I put an idea up. Let's interview Gene Steinberg, right? Uh, on, and that on would be the powerful. first bad decision you make this week. <laughs> okay, we'll go with Chris O'Brien then. Um, much better, much better. Chris, uh, you're uh, all set. They're going to cover you in the uh, National uh, Enquirer. They're going to follow you around. Oh well, we might say let's 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 interview Chris O'Brien on his travels, you know, uh, in hunting down the paranormal. Now, when we, during our interview with him, he might he might come up with a much better story about how he'd um, he'd photographed a ghost. They didn't want that because it wasn't on the lead sheet. It wasn't on the it wasn't the idea that Gene Pope had approved. So you get a better story. Don't want it. Equally, if they said, well, let's let's prove that seeing a ghost cures cancer. We might go to 30 doctors and 29 and say, you're an absolute idiot, go away. And one would say, well, that's a maybe. And so and the maybe the gets, of course, the maybe is the one you go with. Paul yeah. Bannister is our guest. We're talking about tabloid man. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now 
Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you Hindi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy glucosamine chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with prepass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without prepass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try prepass free. That's 888-401-PASS. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future. Future and call 1-800-686-2237. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877 457 9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Paul Bannister is our guest. He's one of those Brits hired by the National Enquirer to do the research and cover those stories. So basically, Paul, they would go into a story with a slant. 
with a preconceived idea. And sure. then, then the reporter's job was to stand up the idea. I mean, that really is the way it is. I got my job with the Enquirer because of a story I put up to them, and that was this baffling chair of death story. Tell us about the baffling chair of death, because that kind of relates to our subject matter here. Oh, indeed, yeah. Uh, the, the basic line was that an old, an old chair in a pub in Yorkshire, in England, would kill anybody who sat in it within three days. The chair itself wouldn't actually commit the murder, but if you sat in the thing, you're going to die within three days. That was the legend. So I put this story up, and they said, yeah, go and do it. And I went along, and uh, I talked to the publican. I saw the chair, which was under guard, basically. They'd taken it out of the pub and hidden it. Not hidden it, but, but it was, nobody could accidentally sit in it. And the publican detailed half a dozen deaths for me, you know, the the the... the the builder who'd fallen off a roof two hours after sitting in it, the guy who left the pub and drove up a tree, and so on and so on. The guy who fell, fell dead of a heart attack the next day. Now some of the you say, well, you know, if he'd been drinking his lunch and then he'd gone, he was making a roof, chances were he had a good, good, good chance of falling off it. Anyway, I filed a story, and they said, well, our six, seven deaths, that's not enough. You know, we don't need a whole graveyard. This is a killer chair that's hundreds of years old. Whoa. So anyway, I did more work and uh, came up with more names and so on for them. And later that sort of impressed them enough that when they started to recruit for the, 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 the new Enquirer, which had just moved to Florida, they recruited me and I became their chief reporter of the paranormal. This was quite a ways back, too. We're talking 1973. So evidently you were able to uh, you know, maintain a good relationship with, with the tyrant, uh, uh, Pope. I mean, I mean, the story that you tell in the book about uh, the security guard asking him how he was doing uh, when he walked in in the morning and he fired him on the spot for asking him how he was doing. I mean, that, that's yeah, well, a tough boss. <laughs> you know, he was allowed to say, good morning, Mr. Pope, but he added that, how you doing, and that got him fired. I mean, when his wife and, um, and his mother-in-law were lining up with, the, were, were jumping the, the line that was lining up to view the celebrate the Christmas decorations of the Inquirer. They just naturally, you know, the, she's the wife of the owner of the place. She walks at the head of the line of all these people, you know, from Michigan and New Jersey who just come down during the winter. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. No, you can't do that. This is a democracy. You get to the back of the line to his wife. <laughs> you know, she, parked, she parked a car on the grass at their house and he, he gave her a mouthful. And she said, well, I'm more important than grass. No, you're not. Get off, get off my lawn. I mean, he was was a single-minded, focused guy who absolutely broke no resistance. Uh, uh, One one little story that came back from his wife was a Friday morning. There's a huge rainstorm going on, um, and the the, the maintenance guy is washing the windows of the house. And as fast as he can squeegee them dry, the rain's going on again. She said, why, you know, Miguel, whatever, said, why are you doing that? He said, well, Mr. Pope told me to do them on Friday mornings. And he knew that was it. If he stepped out of line, he was going to lose his job. <laughs> okay, so the baffling chair of death, not enough dead people. Did you actually find people who sat in that chair and nothing ever happened? No, I never did, actually. But then again, wow. it wouldn't be that remarkable. I thought, and I'm not going to tell you the finish of this story, but I, I thought I'd found out later when I went back to do more on it that I'd sorted out the secret. The chair was in a pub that was right next to an, a World War II airfield. And they, it, there were Canadian, three Canadian bomber squadrons flew out of there, and they had 20% casualties. And I figured that that had to have been the, um, the, the root of it, you know, that 
all these young men who'd been in the pub, then gone on the raid and not come back the next day. And I figured that was really where it came from. You see, the original story was set in 1702 when a murderer who claimed the chair as his own cursed it and before he was taken out of the pub and hanged at the crossroads. That guy, that really happened. The guy's name was Thomas Busby, and he's in the county records there in Yorkshire. And the pub is still there. It's called the Busby Stoop. The Stoop was an old name for gallows, by the way. Uh, the chair isn't there. The chair is now in a museum, and it's mounted high on the wall with a chain across it so nobody can sit in it. You and made no curator, attempt to sit in this chair, or you wouldn't I was going to ask. Yeah. I had to make a television commercial once for a book I wrote back, way back called Strange Happenings. I went down to Palm Springs to film it, and they had this chair sitting there. They go, okay, sit. I said, I'm not sitting that stupid thing. It was, but fortunately, it was, they got it from a props house in, in Hollywood, and it was a replica. <laughs> so I said, okay, I will sit in it then. But I, I, I did look underneath, first of all, to make sure it was a prop. <laughs> what a great story I could see why they, uh, they they picked up on it And you were like one of the first of I, I think the sixth uh, reporter Hired by, by Pope for the New Enquirer Yeah, yeah, that's true actually um, We got to about 80, 85 uh, Reporters And I was one of the Six, seven, eight senior reporters there But as I say, I mostly Worked on, on paranormal stories I did some celeb, some crime and so on but back to, just to go back to the churn, if I may, um, much later I did stories with Volinskaya with some of the Soviets who were working on uh, imbuing objects, inanimate objects, with feelings of confusion or hate or fear. And then they were, this is absolutely true, and they were handing these over as gifts to foreign diplomats or people they wanted to influence. Uh, with the idea of confusing or their thought patterns or they worked on some bizarre stuff. The Soviets really, really had some interesting research in the psychic. And what it comes down to is it might be the same route as this chair, that it had somehow been imbued with evil. Um, and the Soviets, you know, in the 1980s, were working on the same on the same premise. Did you ever find evidence in any of the research you did, any of the stories, that the stuff, whatever the strange event or paranormal property, was genuine as far as you were concerned, or were you just looking for a story? It didn't matter. Oh no, I found some. I I, I worked on some absolutely straight up stories. I mean, let me deal out one whole area, and that's the commercial psychics. Most of them are well-meaning frauds. Um, but you know, I worked on a, a very significant set, a series of stories with the Stanford Research Institute guys, uh, Hal Puthoff and Russell Targ. Puthoff was a Stanford professor. Targ was a laser physicist. And they, they had a nine-year, $1.1 million annual contract with the CIA to develop people as psychic spies. And uh, they wrote a couple of books about it later, but the Inquirer broke that story. Um, they were doing this remote viewing technique, which enabled them to find, for instance, a Soviet bomber that had gone down in Zaire in the jungle. They found it before the Soviets could find it. It wasn't visible from the air, and they did it with a psychic sitting in a laboratory in Palo Alto, California. Um, 
I, we, we could go on at some length actually about other experiments they did, um, which you know, in, in which I witnessed and had some small part in myself. Did uh, you ever so try no, harnessing your abilities, or do you have any? Um, not really. No, I don't have any abilities or anything. <laughs> um, I, when I was a child, I saw the same ghost twice in, in the house that we lived in, um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrifying. It was just an old man doing the same thing. And when I mentioned it to my mother, I was probably five or six years old. She, she asked me to describe him and said, "Yeah, it's Mr. Isherwood. He used to own this place, you know, um, just a little old man who was up to he he just walked from one room to the next upstairs. I didn't even know it was a ghost. I just thought it was a man, you know. <laughs> so you just um, took it as a matter of stride. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never been actually I been spoken to by a ghost. I have a ghost voice on tape. It's on my website, by the way. Um, if any of your listeners care to listen to it, they can go and have a thrill. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll forward our listeners to that site as we yeah. progress with our next segment. Paul Bannister is the guest. He's the tabloid man. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard 
standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural, all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, and not diminished by freezing, extreme heat, or years in storage. Dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit. Dermatol's soothing, rapid restoration of Injured skin is so effective, it's guaranteed. Order yours today. Call 800-217-6677. 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Efficient, economical, effective. Spray it all with Dermatol. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN Great Talk Radio starts here. This is Jerome Clark, author of UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Paul Bannister talking about his experiences investigating the paranormal as a reporter for the National Enquirer. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, in exploring some of these things and about the ghost voice, I want to ask you in a moment. There are conspiracy theories about Gene Pope, about oh, oh, yeah, sure, and you know some stuff there, some pretty odd stuff that gets into the government conspiracies and all sorts of shenanigans there. Can you maybe outline some of that for us? I, I can only tell you what I know for facts. Um, one is that Pope made no secret at all of his mafia links. The other was that he had worked for the CIA Psychological Warfare Department for a while. Now, people have suggested that, you know, the Inquirer was um, a vehicle for uh, contradictory stories, you know, he, that they wanted to, for instance, uh, debunk or actually propose that UFOs were real. I've heard both sides of that to confuse the uh, the Soviets uh, because you know they felt that if a story ran in the choir it was either absolute rubbish or it was um, some something real. I don't believe any of those particular conspiracy stories. I'm sort of inclined towards the Enquirer as a laundry for uh, illegal money uh, because I know how freely they spend they and they really really lash money about on anything. As long as we had a receipt, we could spend. If I wanted to rent a helicopter for the weekend and on a story, then they didn't even care, you know, it was that kind of thing. Um, but no, I don't think there was any massive conspiracy involving Pope. He was just a single-minded man who ran a very successful magazine. I mean, he was selling almost five million a week on a regular basis. And on some issues, the big issue was over seven million um, when, um, when they got, had the cover of Elvis Presley in his coffin. Mm. Did the National Enquirer in its early years, and we know what they did with Senator 
former Senator Edwards now. In the early years, they break major stories that the rest of the mainstream media had to pick up on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, they nailed another presidential contender. That was Gary Hart. Do you remember uh, Monkey Business? Uh-huh. Uh, he was he was running. Um, O.J. Simpson was nailed uh, because of the Enquirer's um, team who dug up his uh, whatever the shoes. I've forgotten what the shoes were called. But they, they, they tied him to the bloody footprint. Gary Condit went down the tubes because of the Enquirer and the other tabloids. Um, they should they should have actually uh, got to stop Jim Jones and the Jonestown thing. We had that story uh, in essence. It was we had the story tipped to us and we had a guy on it, but Pope himself didn't really care about it. And I think if he if he'd acted a couple of weeks before he did that massacre at Jonestown, that that terrible tragedy that would have saved 900 people, uh, but Pope. Poo-pooed the idea. The editor who came to him with it was denigrated by Pope at the time. Here's the deal. The guy says, Mr. Pope, here's a great story. And he said, I don't think it is. And the guy had the temerity to bring it up the next week at the page one meeting. And Pope said, be quiet. Then it happened. A couple of weeks later, the, the editor who brought the thing up was fired because he couldn't have this example of walking around the office of a guy who proved the publisher wrong, you know. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> yeah, right. that's, 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 that's really brutal. <laughs> that's rude. Very cold. Kind of understandable for that personality, though. Probably, but, you know, Pope operated in, a, in an atmosphere of fear. You know, you've got to hang one to encourage the rest. And uh, he did that. Um, most Friday afternoons, you could see a little knots of, you know, girls standing in the corridors sobbing with somebody just been fired. You know, an assistant there was fired because he, he put a memo through and it had, um, had a spelling mistake in it. And... Pope happened to see the memo, and he didn't even know who, who'd sent it. He just said, get rid of the dummy. And they fired the guy that afternoon. Man, uh, how did you survive for so long there? I stayed on the road a lot. <laughs> you know, stay out of the office, stay out of everybody's yeah, keep ways. Your below, keep your head below the level of the trench. No, he right. actually had a small affection, I think, for the reporters. The reporters didn't get much, too much flack in those terms. In fact, you know, just this week I had a, a note from a friend of mine who was a reporter at the time, and here's, a, here's, a, here's an example of two things. It's how he spent money and how he didn't care about it. When that miniseries Roots came out, which had to be in the 70s or early 80s, somebody had the idea to send a reporter back to, where was, where was it set, Kenya, Nigeria? I can't think. Anyway, they sent a, a reporter called Rod Gibson back there with... The, with the move, with the you know the first four episodes or something, to show it to the tribe that Kunta Kinte came from, and apparently Rod sent me a note just this week um, because of tabloid man and said, you might be interested to you know I went back there. He said I ran this movie for him in this village. I had to power it up from a car battery, you know, and run the projector, and I wrote this story and came back at great expense and and it was killed. They weren't going to run it, and I happened to see you know Mr. Pope by the notice board or something, and I said, Mr. Pope, you know, what happened to the story? Uh, you know, the, the, and Pope's, Pope, he said, he looked at me like I was a puppy, just peed on the carpet, you know. He said, well, it wasn't interesting, it wasn't any good. And he said, but Mr. Pope, I thought it was a terrific story. He said, well, Rod, you were there. <laughs> In other words, you know, it was interesting to him, but not to GP, and he spent probably five or $10,000 to get the story and just killed it, spiked it. Wow. When did Pope's reign at the National Enquirer end? When he died in 88, I think it was. Okay. We're talking about 23 years ago. 
Okay, in the 23 years since his death, what changes have been wrought over the National Enquirer? Oh, huge ones, Gene, huge. Um, the paper was sold soon after his death to, um, uh, to a couple of guys who were basically were asset strippers. Um, they ran it for a year uh, and lived off the inventory of stories, so they didn't have any particular outlay on editorial costs. Then they went public and they showed these figures that showed how little they'd spent and enough people were convinced by them that the paper, you know, that they made a ton of money off the initial purchase offering. And since since then, the stocks have steadily declined to zero um, or very close to it, pennies anyway. Um, They laid off a few hundred people and the, the, the tone of the paper changed considerably. Pope spent and spent and spent. He, he was taking about six million a year out of the paper for himself. In the first year after these guys got it, they made more than 70 million for themselves. Um, so wow. Pope was plowing all the money back in. And then the tone of the paper changed and it became a celebrity scandal sheet and not much else. There's yeah, and they changed their format too. They went color, they went to a smaller size. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like People Magazine with sleeves. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 um, they, all the tabloids are owned by the same group now. One man, David Pecker, cobbled it together with $500 million worth of debt and um, cobbled it. Now the Globe, Inquirer, Star, Sun, they're all in quite examiner. They're all under one roof. Is that American media? Is that who you're American referring media, to? American media, yeah. And yeah, now interesting in story bed. about that in the the anthrax attacks. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. that more people don't know about that. One of the victims of the uh, anthrax attacks after 9/11 was uh, was I think uh, was the owner or one of the managers of the uh, American media. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, no, it, it, actually no. It's Bob Stevens. He was a photo editor there who, who oh, died. Okay. Um, he happened to be in the mailroom at the wrong time, and somebody sent in a picture of. I think it was Britney Spears or somebody with the anthrax in it, and they said, "Look at this, you know, look at this idiot sent us this," and he handled it, and it cost oh, him his life. They never did solve it. But, but now, for the rest of the reporters, any of you ever find your life in danger because of the things you did? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. De- uh, yes, yes, certainly. I, I, a soldier in in was it Salvador, Honduras? I can't remember. Put his rifle on the end of my nose. I think that counts, doesn't it? Um, Vaguely. Yeah, I've been menaced by a ghost. Uh, A gunman shot at me in Northern Ireland. Michael Jackson nearly caused us to get stampeded and cut to pieces by our shop window. Uh, Digit kicked me out of the house. A kangaroo spat on me. Um, Oh, all (laughs) kinds of people threatened me, from Tony Curtis to the French police, George Best, Bob Hope's daughter. Oh, John Bonet Ramsey's neighbors, the, the, the hitman in New York, New Jersey. Oh, gosh. A hitman in New Jersey. Now, that one had to be frightening more so than the neighbor of a celebrity. Well, fortunately, he was already in jail, but it's still, um, that was a fellow called Kuklinski. He's, he was, he's dead now. He's the Iceman. And he'd murdered more than 100 people. And his technique, one of his favorite techniques, was he'd load a little spray bottle with cyanide. And then he'd approach his target face-to-face on the street as they were walking by. 
he'd pretend to be sneezing into his handkerchief and he'd spray the guy in the face with cyanide. And the fellow would drop down within, he said, within six to ten seconds, look like he'd had a heart attack on the street. So you couldn't tell, I guess, unless you had evidence. Well, who knows? Okay, let me ask you about that in a moment. Paul Bannister, the book is Tabloid Man. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Paul Bannister. The book is Tabloid Man. We're exploring all the strange things that he's explored and some of the situations where he might have put himself into danger. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Okay, so if you spray someone with cyanide... Mm-hmm. I haven't done that myself. Well, I'm sure that you're not planning to either. But we're just using this theoretically. Okay, so this person sprays people with cyanide. Now, would an autopsy reveal the cause of death? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, actually, that's a good question, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not... um uh, yeah, I'm not medically qualified to tell you. I'm sure if they looked and if they looked for traces of cyanide, well, they'd certainly find them. But I guess if a guy just drops down in the street with no visible thing, they'd look and they say, "Well, you know, his heart looks, you know, his heart stopped." I guess they might say, "Well, it's okay. He certainly he certainly wasn't caught, and nobody suspected that that, that his victims had been um, had been sprayed in the face." They caught him for other things. I mean, he, he shot some. He, he, you know, he, he strangled others. He liked to do that. So I don't know what the autopsy would show. I'm sure it would if you looked for it. Yeah, imagine uh, being that guy's cellmate. Oh, it'd be terrifying. He was a big man, too. He was like 6'6 six, six and you know, nearly 300 pounds. Oh, you say God. he threatened you. What do you say? I'm going to kill you, Bannister, or something? He, he wasn't <laughs> I, you know, I'm just trying to remember exactly what he did say, thinking about that. He... Uh, he wasn't pleased that I wasn't... Pay- I, it was a phone interview, fortunately. I wasn't face-to-face with the guy. I think, I think what it came down to was if I wrote something that displeased him, it wouldn't be good for me. Now, this is a guy whose who's neighbors uh, who, who's neighbor ran over a, the friend, a friend's daughter, and the neighbor vanished. And they found him in pieces about three months later. I mean, Kuklinski was not a nice, he was not a guy to cross. Some chemist, some pharmacist um, was, was bugging him uh, over, uh, over drug money. 
So kill the guy, put him in a 55-gallon drum of concrete and parked it near a hot dog stand. And he just left it there. And it was there for like three months before anybody moved it. He said, I go and have a hot dog and a Coke. It's like visiting the guy. Now, that's cold. That's cold. Ouch. Fast question here. The National Enquirer. Did they fire you eventually? Did you leave what? Oh, no, no, I left. I left. It was um, time to go. I'd been there seven years. I was a senior reporter. I'd done all this stuff. I was never home. And, you know, I had a young family, and I said, that's enough. So I moved away from Florida to California, and then I continued to work for them and the other tabloids, but on a freelance basis, which gave me more control. Instead of them saying to me at 4 o'clock on a Friday, okay, you know, get yourself out to Costa Rica or something, um, I could say, as a freelance, I could say no. No, I can't do that. I'm, I'm and usually with a freelancer, they would choose somebody who's closer to the locale of the story. No, not necessarily. Okay. No, um, they didn't care about money. You know, uh, when we had some pictures, we'd signed up some quints or sex triplets in, in Cape Town. And they were under contract and all the rest of it. And one of my friends, Vince Eckers, a photographer, taking the pictures, he was down there. And Vince had to get his, he was, he was sending raw film back, you know, and they had five rolls of film to send back of the babies. And um, he sort of called the office and said, look, you know, I've got a problem here. We're not going to get it to you, you know, by Monday morning or whenever, whenever he had to get it there for, for this week's issue. Now, the thing was, they were, the family were under contract, so really a week didn't make a difference at all. But Pope wanted it. And he said, well, just fly it directly from Cape Town. He said, well, you know, we, there's no flights from Cape Town to Miami. He said, well, just rent a plane. He said, well, you know, it'd take a big plane to fly across the Atlantic, South Atlantic. You know, it's, he said, Boeing make big planes. The guy was ready to rent a jumbo jet to fly five rolls of film. So what are we talking about here, $100,000? Uh, I'd imagine a bit more, actually, wouldn't okay. you? Okay, yeah. I don't do estimates about planes. Let me ask you a fast question here. Did you cover any of the great conspiracy theories of our time in the part of your work? You know, we all talk about JFK, even the deaths of famous celebrities, some conspiratorial aspects. Any of these stories you get to cover? Yeah, I do. I'm a bit vague now because there was Marilyn Monroe. She murdered. I remember that. Um, didn't they find evidence that she'd been injected in a very discreet place, which I won't mention on the radio, but... Um, and the JFK one, I had a very intriguing conversation with, uh, and a, with a guy in, I think it was Salinas, California. Uh, he had pictures of, of the motorcade, and one picture in particular seemed to show the driver turning backwards with a handgun. No, oh, shades of Bill Cooper. It might have been. It might have been. In fact, that, might have been. that was Cooper's theory. Uh, that's which, right. That's right. Which uh, he, he, uh, he, he was positive. He showed me the print. He, Cooper, he, did he have cancer? Did he die of cancer? No, he got shot by sheriff's deputies here in Arizona, just up the road from me. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I'm pretty, it, I went to see him. I'm pretty sure it was somewhere like Salinas. It was um, Central California. My, maybe San Luis Obispo. Because I remember he had anyway, a copy. Of, he had a copy of the Zapruder film that was um, probably a second or third generation copy. Yeah. And basically, the debunker said, "Well, what you're looking at is the shine off the guy's bald spot on his head that makes it look like he has a gun in his hand." He did turn around and look 
into the he back turned, seat. Yeah, he was certainly turned around. He seemed to have something in his hand. It was a print that he showed me. Right. Um, and that, that could be. But, of course, you know, the, uh, the big conspiracy thing is um, Whitey Bulger. Oh, that's a major story. Oh, indeed, yeah, yeah. Why don't you give um, us an overview for our listeners who don't know who Whitey Bulger is? Okay. Well, Whitey was um, a Boston um, uh, uh, gang leader. He, he was a mobster. Who was, he, he was actually the model for Jack Nicholson's character in the, in the movie The Departed. Right. And he's been on the run for 16 years. Um, and uh, he's wanted for at least 19 murders. He had a million dollars FBI reward on his head. This guy was so brutal. They, they reckon he was much, much more feared than, say, John Gotti. Um, but his, his, thing, um, his thing was that he did a deal with the FBI to rat out the Italian mafia in Boston. And um, in return, the FBI supposedly said, well, okay, if you don't do anything violent, we won't chase you down, but just turn over the others. Well, what... what Whitey was doing, of course, was getting rid of his competition. Um, unfortunately, Whitey and um, a, a killer called Flemmy, what was Flemmy's first name? Was it uh, David Flemmy? Yeah, I talked, to, I talked to Flemmy. Flemmy's in the witness protection program right now. Anyway, these two carried out a whole series of gruesome murders anyway while they were, being, while they were serving as informers. Now, other enforcement, law enforcement agencies, including the DEA and the state police in Massachusetts, began looking into Bolger while he was an FBI informer. Um, and they said, yeah, we've got to pull this guy in. But an FBI agent whose name was John Connolly tipped him off in, uh, in December 94 that he was about to be arrested. And the the um, the DEA was saying, okay, we have you know we have Bulger in pocket, but Bulger gets a call and did a U-turn, and the pocket had a hole in it, and he just went right off the screen. Of course, he was arrested. Um, now he's probably, or he's suspected of being, the man behind the world's biggest art heist. A whole lot of um, old masters and absolutely incredibly valuable paintings went missing from a gallery in Boston, and they're still missing. Um, and when they picked Bulger up just the, the other day, he had 800000 in cash and 30-some weapons in his apartment wow. in Santa Monica. So even though he was being used as an informant, eventually they had to get him? I think other agencies got him. And it, the, the thing is that it, he was on the run for so long that people are saying the FBI didn't want to catch him because it would reveal too much of their dirty laundry. Oh, okay. We have Paul Bannister. The book is Tabloid Man and the Baffling Chair of Death Revealed Shocking Secrets of the Scandal Sheets. And we're revealing some pretty interesting secrets right here. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. (laughs) 
Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Good day. Jim Newcomer from Minus Resources. July 1st, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1491.20. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1529.18, 764.59 for a half ounce, or 382.30 for a quarter ounce. That's 1529.18, 764.59, and 382.30. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I have teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter ounce pure gold coin. For only $440 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches, first aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge Molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with prepass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without prepass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try prepass free. That's 888-401-PASS. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We're back with Paul Bannister, the tabloid man. We're talking about Whitey Bulger, this infamous criminal who was finally captured. Irish Southie. Okay. Yeah, uh, Whitey was a nasty piece of work. You know, he he shot one guy in the phone booth, and he shot him so many times. They say his torso and his legs were just about separated. Um, he Man. he strangled a couple of people, including a stripper, with his bare hands. Another fellow that he suspected of being an informant who turned over uh, an IRA gun shipment. They they uh, he he took him down into the the cellar where he killed several people in, his, in, a, in one of his houses in Boston and tried to hang the guy, but the rope was too, too thick to strangle him. And so um, Whitey did the nice thing. He said, would you like me to just put one in your head? And the guy said, yes, please, and just coldly shot him. That was the end of that. But um, wow. just, just an amazingly tough guy, you know, nasty, nasty piece of work. Apparently they're really celebrating. It's like Osama bin Laden has been caught in Boston. Just a question that occurs to me as we talk about this. Gene Pope, because he was affiliated with organized crime and family and everything, did the government ever go after him or try to go after him because of his connections? No. No, mm-hmm. he was uh, – I don't think he was involved in crime as such. He he had all the connections, but I don't think he was ordering any uh, – you know, or doing anything like that. No, there was never, never any hint that he was a criminal himself. He was just somebody making a lot of money from something. He made a lot of money from a legitimate organization, but he still maintained his, um, you know, his contacts, obviously, I'm sure. But he didn't share that with me. But put it this way, when he left his home in the morning, his uh, security guys would check under the car with a mirror. And the same when he uh, you know, left the office in the afternoon. And they would take obvious precautions. You know, his office windows in Lantana, which is an inquiry headquarters where bulletproof glass. It kind of sounds to me offhand like the way that Roger Ailes of Fox News lives. He lives in an office with bulletproof windows because he's afraid people are going to shoot him. He's under heavy guard. He's got an armored car, really. Almost the same thing. Yeah, it's, um, I guess if you've got to live that way. Thank goodness your conscience is clear, Eugene. (laughs) He'd be a good, a good, uh, a good subject for a Hollywood feature. Oh, it'd be brilliant. I mean, the man was, uh, I, descri- I go uh, to some lengths to describe uh, Gene Pope in, in, in my book because he's the man who single-handedly did the most to change American media. Um, I'm talking about, you know, newspapers generally. He brought that cult of celebrity to everybody. Oh, man. It wasn't just so, the Hollywood So now I know who to blame. Oh. Yeah, indeed you do. Oh, boy. I, I, it's, I, I think that was the death knell for American, for the fourth estate in America. <laughs> Isn't it strange, right. though, how much so-called mainstream journalism has embraced uh-huh. that well, sort of approach? Gone, yeah, the, the thing is, they've gone to the lowest common denominator. They've, gone, they've said, okay, we'll dumb it down, we'll dumb it down all the time. 
you know, you get a good magazine or, uh, you know, a, a good... I, I, do you ever read The Economist? It sounds terrible, but it, it's a really, really good news yeah. magazine. Yeah. Nobody reads it. Just yeah. posted an article on the Paracast Forum today from The Economist about uh, Timothy Leary. And, uh, uh, yeah, they just, the uh, they, New York Public yeah. Library just bought his entire archive, and they're going to be releasing it in bits and pieces. Excellent, excellent. Well, we know it's it has two journal. readers now. Well, but it's quality journalism, isn't it, Gene? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to read about Britney Spears throwing a tantrum, it's all over the news. Oh. It's a the Anna Nicole show. Smith, Charlie oh, Sheen, man. Charlie Sheen kind of melts, oh. down, melts down. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's not news. He's, he's high on a drug. It's, it's just a bit of gossip, and, and it, went, it went on for weeks. Well, Lindsay Lohan. Oh, don't talk about them. Pop-Tarts. <laughs> they, they, well, they didn't, they didn't ruin my industry. The people who, who paid to read about them ruined it. Now, you mentioned before, of course, the classic Hollywood murder conspiracy such as Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Ever look at the conspiracy about the death of Superman George Reeves? No, I personally didn't. No, no. Okay. No, not, They had a no, book not. about that called Hollywood Kryptonite, and Ben Affleck played in a movie on the right. subject, which kind of suggests that Reeves was dating some organized crime girlfriend. I see, okay. And there was jealousy, and he was shot, made to look like, well, you know, he was getting old and playing Superman. That's the only role he could get because he was typecast, and therefore he shot himself. I remember the headline, Superman Shoots Self. Oh, New York Post. Um, no, the, the the closest to you know conspiracies that would interest Paracast listeners is in UFO um, uh, material. I, I spent three months traveling with Edgar Mitchell, Doctor Mitchell as he is. He was the sixth man to walk on the moon. He he piloted the lunar lander, and um, the Inquirer in the seventies gave him a contract for several months to drag me around in his slipstream to go and talk to his contacts and see what big stories we could come up with in the, in, well, Ed at that time was setting up his Institute of Noetic Sciences. He was investigating mm-hmm. consciousness. Um, and Ed, as you probably know, did some telepathy experiments on his way to the moon with a guy in, uh, in Chicago, Olaf Johnson. Yeah, not many people know that. No, but, and, and you know, what's really interesting is a lot of those astronauts came back changed men. They came mm-hmm. back religious or so interested in, as Ed was, in, in the study of telepathy, consciousness, the workings of the mind. But he, he told me, you know, we, we talked about this a lot because we had three months on the road together, which is kind of fun. But he, um, he told me one time, we went down to White Sands the week before they'd had a bird on the, on the pad ready to, you know, to send up some weather satellite or whatever. And they had a high-speed camera trained on it, getting ready for launch that same day. And somebody noticed this frisbee-sized UFO circling the, the bird. He said, like a hummingbird up around a tree. And they had the wit to turn on the camera. And they filmed this thing. And it was, it was a classic saucer, like a, shaped like a frisbee, a little rounded and so on. And it was only about 14 inches across, they guess, you know, from, from the film. And Ed saw the film, he told me, and a couple of days later, um, he went back with a friend to the same person who had the film and said, you know, we want to, can you show this to, to my colleague here? The thing had disappeared and never existed. Uh, the men in black. I totally, I totally believe, Ed, that he saw a, a, a film of something. No you know, we had a theory, this is kind of funny too. We had a fellow Brit, 
Nicholas Redfern. I don't know if you yeah, know, know him. Yeah, I know, Nick. He wrote a very kind review this week about my book. Yes, I noticed. Said, I said, and justifiably so. It's, it's a very entertaining book, and it's filled with tons of interesting little anecdotes that, uh, that really give you a real sense of what it was like to be behind the scenes in such a, a paradigm-shifting organization like, uh, like Pope had, had established there. And, and yeah. again, kudos uh, to you. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't finished it, but I'm, I'm really enjoying the PDF you sent, I, and I appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much indeed. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Actually, could I just, just explain something quickly here? I had to change printing companies, and the and Amazon had it online, of course. It was all there, and it's available as a Kindle on Amazon. I'll tell you what, we'll have to do this break, and then you'll tell us okay. why you change printing companies that have a couple of questions. Paul Bannister is the guest. The book is Tabloid Man. He changed printing companies. I wonder why. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. <laughs> Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker is your church, school, or organization desperately looking for new fundraising ideas? Tired of the same old candles or candy, taking orders, inventory, and low profits? Well, here's great news. 10X Fundraising guarantees 10 times traditional profits with zero hassle. For an amazing free bonus, free shipping, and an extra 10% off, enter GCN when you go to 10xfundraising.com. That's the number 10, the letter X, fundraising.com. Or call 800-480-8797. Visit 10X Fundraising for 10 times the profit today. 
Will you survive during the economic collapse or another deadly natural disaster? Your key to survival lies here at hardshoot.com. A former member of U.S. Special Operations knows what you'll need to survive in these hard times. Our online store arms you with extreme survival kits, self-heating food reserves, and more. For a limited time with any purchase, you'll also receive a three-day survival kit absolutely free. Prepare now. The online store, www.hardshoot.com. www.hardshoot.com. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy Clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. The mystery of the ages. (laughs) Why did Paul Bannister have to change the printing company for the book Tabloid Man? Why? Because it's a mystery. <laughs> no, what happened was I found that the, the Amazon subsidiary that was printing the thing didn't have print copies available in the UK, uh, only in the US. It's available in Kindle in, in both countries, in Europe and Australia and so on. So I said, oh, well, fine, I'll just move across to another Amazon subsidiary who, who can print it in both countries, the, the two major markets for me. Well, there's a, like a two-month hiatus before they can move it across. It's just, it's a bureaucracy. I'm not going to go into detail, but it's a bureaucracy. If Publishing wants- industry. And this is a self-published kind of book, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Sure. Is that, now, this is an interesting thing here. You know, one time you had self-publishing because people couldn't get a publisher to take the book. Now it has become a better way of marketing for some people. It also has become a way of marketing when a publisher won't take the book, which is what happened to me. <laughs> About 60 people turned it down. But that's actually part. The, the thing is, the publishers right now are terrified. They, they don't know where it's going with the internet, and most of them don't want to commit. And if you're not writing a cookbook or a book about crime or a book about celebrities, they don't want to know. They don't. They say they don't have a niche for it. If you're but a politician, people, maybe if you're revealing something from a politician. But you know what happens with some of these political books from a liberal or conservative? You have these think tanks that buy hundreds of thousands of copies and give them away as premiums for people to donate. Well, that's, yes, that's likely. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, if it was a tabloid think tank, would be in there. But anyway, if people do want the book before it's, you know, and can't wait a couple of months, they could always come to my website and order it directly from there, which is bannisterbooks.com. Now, I want to ask you something here which occurred to me before we did our break about the astronauts. Is it landing on the moon, being on the moon, that changed their philosophies, or does that conspiracy theory arise? Something happened there. No, Ed. Ed 
expressed it to me that he said it was the sense of being away from your mother planet and to be able to look back at it and see it against a backdrop of, of almost infinity. To actually see that we're living on this beautiful blue marble and don't appreciate it. We're so concerned with traffic jams and overdrafts and all the things that the minutiae to step back and look at the whole picture um, was was the important thing. I'm sorry, I don't have a conspiracy theory uh, for you on that, but that was their consciousness raising or changing event. It wasn't so much they saw ET and had to spread the knowledge. No, later. no. Shepard actually reported um, UFOs, and one of the I think was it was it Glenn also reported mysterious happenings that they uh, that they saw off the planet. But I, I don't know. I've not personal knowledge of that, and I, I wouldn't wouldn't hesitate. I would hesitate to sort of give an opinion on that. Okay. Well, getting into UFOs, you covered stories about UFOs. Not too many. I, my, the stories I did were mostly ghosts, spontaneous, uh, you know, RSPK, uh, psychokinesis. I went from Iceland to Brazil. Um, I, I went to see the probably the best ghost story ever, and that was the Enfield poltergeist. Not to be confused with the psychic chicken, that was a poltergeist. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the poltergeist in Enfield was a, were a talking ghosts. They were actually voices coming out of apparently nowhere. The, um, uh, the SPR, the Society for Psychical Research, put two researchers into that house for five months, or maybe it was seven. It was around a half a year anyway. That was, their, their names were Playfair, Guy Playfair and a fellow called Maurice Gross. And they lived with this family that were just beset by paranormal phenomena. I mean, I went along there and I saw some of that myself. Um, and it's always very convincing when you see it for yourself, you know. I'm, I, I'm sure you know, Gene. It's not... Uh, somebody tells you, you say, yeah, well, you probably missed this, but you go along your Gene, Gene scares all that type of stuff away. He's never really had that kind of experience before. Uh, they see me and they go there. In fact, there's somebody, our marketing person said to me, we should have a webcam. You know, put me and Chris on YouTube. I said, you want to scare all the listeners away? Look, we're in Atlanta. We're in New Jersey. We're in New York. The show is getting bigger and better. Why do you want to lose listeners? <laughs> Fatal mistake. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do when they when we go video, Gene? We're going to have to like uh, get a cardboard cutout of uh, wear a mask. You know, Tom Cruise or somebody. Actually, well, of- Tom Cruise used to wear all those great masks in Mission Impossible. But I was thinking, in the sense, I can become like the shadow, you know, cloud men's and women's minds, so they cannot see me oh, because wow. I will say, who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men. And the shadow silhouette. Can I just do this laughter? <laughs> wow, that was good. You like that, huh? That was actually actually pretty good, man. I'm going to yeah, sell that yeah. to Nick Redfern. Mr. Calling. Sure. I'm not doing it again. It's just a one-time thrill. Nick's laugh is uh, off the scale. He's an artist, not a machine. Yeah. Nick Redfern has these fabulous laughs. We're thinking of looping them, just having him sit before a microphone and do laughs, and then we just play them. You know, like, you're not bad. You do better trickster laughs, though. No, don't get me started. Oh, the whole vocabulary of laughter here. I can see this is, this is going to be fun. Speaking of UFOs, you knew people in the UFO field like Bob Pratt. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'll even assume another identity. Bob was a, a, a wonderful man, actually. He, was, we, he and I played tennis together and uh, separately. Um, but he was the Enquirer's UFO guy. I mean, and he, he traveled the world for them. Um, 
I mean, my experience of UFOs was, was quite limited. Um, I've got one or two stories for you, but um, no, Bob was a very, very diligent and well-respected reporter. I liked him a great deal. We, we played, we, we used to play a, a, a trick on him, actually. We played a couple, to be honest, because he was well-liked. Um, he kept a logbook, you know, of his fuel and mileage and so on. And so we started putting extra gas in his car while, it, you know, while he was in the office. And then for a while we'd siphon <laughs> some out. But that got to be too messy and too painful. So we, we decided to do something else. And Faith, his wife Faith, um, gave us a key to his car. So we'd move it a couple of spaces from where he'd parked it. And this went on for probably three weeks. The guy was, the guy was beginning to doubt his own sanity, you know, because he, he would always try to park close to the office. And it'd be oh, three man. spaces over from where he'd left it. Uh-huh. And he, of course, he was dealing with, you know, some pretty spooky stuff <laughs> in his stories. And here he comes out, you know, and somebody's moved his car again. <laughs> we finally told him it relieved his mental stress quite a lot, I think. It wasn't the men in black. <laughs> it might have been them as well. We, we are the men in black, the galaxy defenders. Yeah. Yes, it might have been. Well, of, of course, we have to mention, Gene, the classic scene in the first Men in Black movie where Tommy Lee Jones is walking by a, a newspaper stand in New York and goes, oh, wait a minute, I have to check out and see what's been going on. And and I correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but didn't he pick up a, a copy of the Inquirer? I wouldn't have blamed him if he did. I mean, yeah, uh, says, and Tommy Lee Jones, uh, or, uh, Will Smith goes, well, what are you looking at that for? And he goes, hey, we've got to get these stories out somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that. I'm not familiar with the uh, with the piece. Of the uh, phrase, definitely, but... definitely worth uh, uh, yeah. you know renting. Yeah. I should, I should, I should, I should. Yeah. And watching Vincent D'Onofrio, of course, who plays Detective Gorin on Law and Order: Criminal Intent, being an alien bug. You know, I, I've just finished a novel. It's set in third century Britain, and it's actually based on a true story. Maybe I should put a couple of aliens in there, and a UFO. It's a Roman Britain. And cross market it. Well, I have, a interest, I have an interesting aside about Bob Pratt. Um, he uh, dug into the Dulce, New Mexico uh, cattle mutilation cases in the late 70s, yeah. which um, actually are, are, I think are very important in terms of the, the amount of uh, actual hard data that we have on that particular mystery. And uh, one of the people that assisted him in, in the investigative work was my mentor, David Perkins. And I was speaking with David last night, and he was thrilled that you were going to be on the, uh, on the show and, and talk about this whole subject of tabloid journalism and the paranormal. And he mentioned a very interesting story to me, which uh, I would like to quickly relate. And that is that, that Pratt was told by uh, the headquarters to get a quote from Perkins that he thought UFOs were extraterrestrials coming here for purposes unknown or whatever. He was given a quote to sign off on, and if he would, they'd pay him like $500. And before we get to the conclusion of the story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey once said, we've got Paul Bannister joining us, Chris O'Brien's the co-host, I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in The Paracast. (laughs) 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. The number one secret to having great health and long life is having high levels of glutathione. This master antioxidant is required by your body to stop free radicals, keep cells young, remove chemical and heavy metal toxins, support immunity, support liver functions, stop inflammation, and much more. The results of optimal levels of glutathione in your body are more mental and physical energy, stronger immune system, greater endurance, and more. Do you know the number one secret superfood that helps increase your glutathione levels by 64% or more? It's unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. This health food is amazing in its ability to do so much for virtually everyone. Introducing One World Whey, an industry-first unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 you've heard great things about berkey You've been thinking of getting a Berkey water purification system, but for some reason, you haven't made your purchase just yet. Okay, here's one more reason to buy the best water purification system you can buy now. The Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com is giving away free Pelican flashlights. Yes, with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system from the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com, you'll receive a free Pelican 2360 LED flashlight, a $39 value. But it won't last long, only now through July 15th. Hurry, call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, or shop online at GoBerkey.com. That's Go, B-E-R-K-E-Y.com. No coupon code necessary. A free Pelican flashlight is yours with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system only at GoBerkey.com or by calling 877-886-3653. Hurry, offer ends July 15th. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can. Paul Bannister joins us to talk about Tabloid Man and all the ramifications thereof. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. So you're telling us a conspiracy story? Well, yeah, and and I, I kind of questioned David uh, pretty closely uh, about this, and he said that Pratt was pretty uncomfortable, but it was almost like he was being forced to try to get this quote from David signing off on the idea that extraterrestrials were coming here. And I, I'm not sure if it was involved with the cattle mutilation story, but definitely UFOs were involved. And he was being offered, basically, a, a payoff uh, to sign off on this particular quote. Uh, what, what did David believe? Did he believe that uh, David was- thinks that this is all uh, manifestations from the collective unconscious. It's all biological. It's closed system. Uh, he's, he does not buy into the whole idea of ETs uh, coming here. At okay. the time, his thinking hadn't developed to the point that it has now. But he, he refused to do it. And then out of the blue, uh, he said about a week later, he got a check for that amount anyway, even though he didn't sign off on it, <laughs> which, which um, I think is, I is pretty, money, yeah, pretty money, revealing. Well, I'll tell you what. The money wasn't important to them. That's, that's the first Evidently. thing. The, the other thing is that it might be that some editor had got the idea, had got a headline written in his mind. I wanted, right. you know, a top expert. This is often the way that they did work, I have to say, and they, they certainly do that now. I can give you chapter and verse on that. It's like the magic but, Christian. <laughs> What's your price? Well, yeah, they probably wanted somebody to say, UFOs are real, ETs are coming here. I mean, it could be as simple as that. Somebody's got that. They say, now, find an expert to say it. Just as like I said before, you know, um, whatever it is cures cancer. You know, 29 people say no, and one says maybe. And so they probably said, well, get the best expert in the field. They probably thought he believed that. And if the guy says no, he says no. And he did say no. They probably found somebody else to say it. Exactly. But but the fact that they paid him anyway, the same amount, I I find that very revealing. Um, Why not? I mean, he's cooperated in giving giving Bob an interview. It was very – he spent a lot of time with him. He took him all over the place. And, of course, it was all on Inquirer's dime, but – yeah, but it's probably just a thank you for his time. I mean, five hundred dollars is just a drop in the bucket. I mean, they don't yeah. care. Well, they did not care. Now they do. Now they can't afford freelancers. They're down to like four or five staff guys, and that's it. Ouch. Um, you know, they're totally out of money now. It's, uh... Well, well, Bob was a top-notch investigator. Um, the Calaris oh, yeah. uh, story yeah. at the mouth of the Amazon down in in, in Brazil uh-huh. with the chupas and the deaths that were that were reported from these objects that were flying through the jungle. One of the most, I think, intriguing and pivotal cases in the annals of ufology, of course, is Jacques Vallée covered the case and worked with Bob um, in his book Confrontations, uh, which is... Well, didn't, didn't he, didn't Vallée also write The Invisible College? Yes. And weren't there holes in that? 
flaws in, in some of Valet's um, uh, findings? Well, you know, Valet's thinking, I think, is riddled with, uh, with you know, questionable hypotheses. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah that, was my rec- that was my recollection, and I wasn't working. But at least he's I attempting did. to think creatively. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the one yeah. thing you have to give Valet. At least he's an out-of-the-box thinker. And I All think right. Bob was more of a, of a you know, a gumshoe, nuts and bolts kind of guy. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah. combination of those two talents together is, is, is pretty daunting. And, um, and they did do some work together. And it's unfortunate that Bob's still not with us. Uh, right. I think he, he, he spent years uh, traveling around doing hard journalism uh, for the Enquirer. Uh, and, you know, he was pretty much in charge of the UFO desk. Just countless stories that he was able to break through that publication before the yeah, Internet yeah. when we didn't have the, the uh, 24-7 uh, Internet news cycle for UFO reports. I find out about UFO reports from the other side of the world sometimes within minutes. Right, of them right. occurring back then you really had to dig for it and bob was a real trooper and from from what i know of his work and uh and you too i mean the, the, <laughs> having a conversation with a ghost i mean uh, boy there's a lot of people in our audience that would just they would love to be in a position to be able to document something like that we never went into that too much tell us about the conversation with the ghost before we go on and get back to bob pratt well that's the conversation okay there's well there's two there's there's one incident where a ghost overrode what I was saying and corrected me and I got that on tape and that actually you your listeners can hear that on on bannisterbooks.com I've, I've uh, just a couple of weeks ago uploaded the thing I didn't I got my IT guys but conversation thing um, we talk about the Enfield poltergeist this house the, the, the background to it was it's a family a woman desperately poor four children I think only three of them were actually at home and the place was just bombarded for months and months. It, I think it went on for more than a year. Enfield is, is, a, is a suburb in London, and the family were called the Hodgsons. They, they, were, they were getting obscenities and animal-like grunts and growls and screams coming in uh, with nobody there. Then they were getting apparitions on the stairs, things, you know, half a man walking down the stairs, walking up the stairs, just the lower half of him. The children were claiming and were witnessed, actually. I, I spoke to them. Uh, they were, lived opposite the school and there's a crossing warden there. And she told me she'd seen these children floating by the upstairs window. And this, it was a tiny house, you know, two down, two up house. And she'd seen the children floating by the window upstairs and their bare feet bumping against the glass on the inside. A neighbor said that one of these children had actually, literally, it's incredible had floated through the wall into her upstairs bedroom. She heard a noise, went in there, and this child was in midair and then floated back through the wall. This apparition of the child probably, I can't see it being solid. But anyway, so I show up there. So I can only tell you what I, I saw. Um, I went in there with Maurice Gross, who was living at the place, uh, a very respected researcher for the SPR. And um, as I went in, I was passing one of these children, about a 10-year-old, and a voice came out from near the child, and it growled at me. It went, it was right down my ear. And I kind of, I said, what are you trying to do? And the voice said, kill you. I said, what are you going to try harder than that? Because you sound like a dog. You just sound like a dog growling. I'm going to get you some kenner meat. It's uh, in English, dog food, see. That voice followed me around for the next two days, and he kept saying kenner meat. And I was laughing at the thing. I mean, I, I didn't feel particularly threatened. I mean, it was interesting. 
I saw furniture move, um, not just move, a, a lightweight chair spun 180 degrees, it moved four and a half feet from a corner. When I was six feet from it, was one other person in the room, and the child, and she was sitting on the other side of the room, on the other side of the fireplace. Nobody was near it. I went and examined it. There was no apparatus. There were pools of urine kept appearing on the floor in the in the kitchen when there was nobody mm. in there. There couldn't have been anybody in there. The door was bolted twice from the inside. The window was painted shut. I went upstairs. There was a noise upstairs. I went upstairs, and the bed had an indentation if somebody was lying on it. And while I watched it with a couple of other people we were in the doorway, the whole thing moved as if somebody was shifting in bed. It, stuff went on and on and on. Uh, I was there for just a couple of three days, and I had a list of, oh, I don't know, 20 things that happened. Footsteps, doors opening and closing, um, uh, even a piece of furniture balancing impossibly. It was a, a chair was balancing on two legs on top of the kitchen table. How did that get there? Sounds like a scene from the movie Poltergeist. Right. Poltergeist, yeah. Well, how, yeah, how, did, was, that, how, did, how did that challenge your thinking? I mean, when you went into the case, did you leave well, the case I'd, differently? I, I, yeah, I'd had um, uh, you know, a few years of looking at this stuff, and I'd been to Munich to see a, a professor there called Hans Bender, who ran the Institute for something or other in Freiburg in the, in the Black Forest. And... Um, Bender said that all these RSPK, that's recurring spontaneous psychokinesis, if, if my gabble is too much. Um, he said that they're mostly a question of mental hygiene. There's usually an agent, usually an adolescent, who causes things to happen. So it's as if this adolescent, for a while, until they grow out of it, is able to affect the energy that makes things um, for instance, you know that your desk isn't solid. It's a mass of protons and neutrons, and they're revolving in a pattern. And what holds them in that pattern is energy. And if you can affect the energy, I mean, technically, you could make your desk melt or something. You know, you could make your desk turn into a frog or whatever. But maybe there's an energy we don't know about yet. I mean, what did we know about electricity a couple hundred years ago? We knew lightning. I mean, uh, so maybe there's an undiscovered energy that is some kind of building block and if you can affect that in some way um then you can you know you could melt the porcelain plate kind of thing you know it looked like right, or create Natalie a tulpa or, or create a, a you know a, a temporary life form basically uh, why not why not yeah, exactly i mean all all you know you're you're totally pulling down the barriers of, of possibility if you're able to actually manipulate the energy into a new form Obviously, you can't create or destroy energy. All you can do is alter its form. We can't alter this form because the sponsors beckon us. Paul Bannister joins us. Gene Steinberg is myself. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. You're in the Paracast. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The final hour of the Paracast with Paul Bannister joining us. The book is Tabloid Man. Some fabulous experiences working for the National Enquirer. And the fact that it had a higher set of standards than maybe people suspected at the time. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris, maybe we should move into some of the questions before we go on. Yeah, that's a good idea, Gene. And we do have some good ones, Paul. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just start. Um, I, I'm not going to throw them at you in any particular order. But um, here's one from ExoDoc, who is a, a longtime poster on our forum. And he's got three questions. The first is, is there a conspiracy of ridicule in the media concerning not just UFOs, but ghosts, psychic phenomenon, and other unusual things that make people feel insecure? Or is that just the way the news system works? Uh, ah, that's a good question. I think people tend to be afraid of what they don't understand. News, uh, we found one of the reasons that there were so many Brits uh, on the Enquirer was, as I say, it was competition. But... The other thing was that American journalists were leery of joining up because they were very conscious of their um, their reputation. They wanted to be, you know, the dignified um, senior statesman, and so Brits tended to be a bit more rough and tumble with, you know, fighting for stories. And so what sort of happened was, if it wasn't a respectable thing then the American journalists, by and large, didn't want to know. They, they looked down on the Enquirer, on, on the tabloids generally, as people who'd sold out. Um, you know, one of, my, one of my colleagues there, Ray Smith, he told one of his Canadian pals, he said, if you see my mom when you go back up to Toronto, he said, don't tell her I'm on the Enquirer. She thinks I'm playing piano in a whorehouse. Now, the, oh, we, we, we used to get this. We used to get this from other, you know, from the, the, the national, you know, from the big, the mainstream media. They felt that they were superior. The fact is, they weren't. You know, I, I worked on national newspapers in Britain. I worked for the BBC. I would take on any reporter from any newspaper in America and give them a good run. Because I work for the Enquirer doesn't mean I'm no good as a journalist. Um, I'm a good journalist, as it happens. And Pope paid us about three times what we would get on a major newspaper in the States. And that rankled. People go, well, you're just making up stories. Absolute rubbish. We didn't make up stories. We didn't lose libel actions. I agree that we didn't present stories all the time when we said, well, these are the two sides of it. Because that wasn't the way the paper was run. Pope said, we're not going to confuse the reader with arguments. Stories are black and white. Well, in the real world, stories are not black and white. They're gray. And that's really what it gets down to. So conspiracy and ridicule, I think it's just that, they're, you know, that the mainstream media is afraid to deal with it. They don't know how to pigeonhole it. Yeah. The Enquirer wasn't afraid of it. 
And people being people, people talk about interesting things. You know, I wouldn't be discussing, you know, pork belly future prices, uh, uh, you know, over a glass of wine, but I certainly would talk about ghosts. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you've kind of answered question number two, which was, have you been treated? Uh, how have you been treated by other mainstream uh, reporters and journalists? I think uh, you answered that question. The third question is a good one, too. Is unbiased news dead? By that I mean, is there any source of news anymore that isn't trying to sway us politically to the media mogul's way of thinking? Or has it always been this way? I'm an old guy, and I've been around newspapers on, in, in, on two continents for a long time. And I've never, ever, apart from, you know, obvious ones with the inquiry when they say, well, go and get this story, you know, get the story of how, um, you know, psychic functioning can improve your quality of life. I've never, ever been given direction on a news story. Now, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. It's true. Um, now, obviously, if if I were working for you know a very conservative newspaper, I'd probably not be out there advocating gay marriage or something, you know, because you have an idea what the tone of the paper is, and that's the the, the tone of that paper is what attracts that paper's readers, that niche market. Yeah. So basically, in general, newspapers are never one hundred percent fair and balanced. There's always some kind of slant. That's that's probably true. They know what their market is, and they tend to pander to that. I mean, Fox News knows where its market is, and I, I regard its reporting with a lot of suspicion. But some of it, some of what people see as an outright conspiracy in the media is just either laziness or lack of funds or lack of skill. Um, they'll, they'll pick – what was that story just a week or so ago about a dozen bodies in, in Texas – and it was run off a rumor. Some woman said, I'm a psychic. I see all these right. bodies. She knew enough about the interior of the house to inspire the police to go and look. Without checking it, yeah. some major media ran the story. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's what gives this whole field a bad name. Well, yeah, it does. It does. It's shoddy, it's shoddy journalism. It's shoddy, and a lot of it is economics nowadays. You know, people are yeah. eager to try and get that. And, and it's also... Something you referred to earlier, actually, Gene, you said, now I get news of events, you know, around the world, minutes after it happens. That means that the media are also pressed to be urgent with their material. They can't wait a day or two to check it. They, they don't want to take the risk that somebody else is going to beat them to the punch. And so if they don't have the means to check it, they might be tempted to run with it. Yeah, and that's, that's a really good point. And it also answers uh, the next question I had from Sentry, who's one of our more recent uh, forum members. He said, Chris, ask Paul about how a single event can generate vastly varying stories due to the bias of the reporters, the editorial policies of the publisher, and sometimes the peculiar nature of the subject's personality. One aspect of this reporting of a story is to package it to sell it to an audience, but there can be many other things in play, and I think you've just hit that. You've just answered that question perfectly. There's, there's one thing, one more thing to add to that. If you, see, if you take six people who witness an, an automobile accident, you'll get six different accounts of it. Right. People well, they say people. eyewitness testimony is oftentimes the least reliable. With the best will in the world, people are people, and they don't recall accurately what they've seen. That's just a given. Um, yeah. And... I don't believe that, uh, that it might, you know, some young moon's, uh, you know, uh, moony newspaper there, that, that might well have been just a propaganda sheet. But I don't believe, by and large, 
you know, the, the respectable papers, the reputable papers, are out there delivering a political message in their news stories. They've, they've got their editorial pages to do that. Right. One thing I worry about, of course, is this. If we can't figure out what happened last week, how do we rely on stories 100, 200 years ago? Our history books, how do we determine that's accurate if we can't figure out what happened yesterday in the next city? Good question. Mm-hmm. And actually, you, you've just gone to the – this is not a commercial plug, but you've just gone to the heart of something I'm writing. I said I'm writing this third-century novel that's based on some true things. There were, for, for 600 years, there was no history, no written history in Britain at that time, from the 3rd to about the 8th century. There, were just, there was nothing written down. And a fellow called Geoffrey of Monmouth, 400 years after that – started to write down his so-called history, which is absolute total bull. He, 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 didn't, he made it uh, sort of like a lurid novel of the day. So we get all this, uh, in Geoffrey in, in Monmouth stuff, we're getting Arthurian history, you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and they never existed as such. There might have been a primitive kingdom, but that's because nothing was written down. It was not accurate at the time, and people made it up later, and that's, that's human nature, I'm afraid. Well, what about, of course, oral history? And this is something that Chris and I have talked about. We've had guests here. We had one, an Indian elder for a tribe, yeah, yeah, the Zuni tribe, and they, of course, transfer their historical information verbally from father to son, yeah, whatever. Word, word for word. Word for word. How can they do it and we can't do it? You know, it seems like they well, have they abilities word, that how, we don't have. Yeah, but you say it's word for word, but how can you check that? You know the yeah. old story there about the, the troops in, in, in the trenches, and they've passed the word down, send for reinforcements, we're going to advance. And by the time it gets to the other end of the line, it says, send for three informants, we're going to advance. We're going to dance around this. <laughs> <laughs> we have Paul Bannister. The book is called Tabloid Man. I'm Gene Steinberg, the co-host. You're in the Paracast. I didn't say it yet. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal like angels and miracles psychic phenomena ghosts ufos and much much more to receive your complimentary fate magazine call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com that's 1-800-728-2730 what are you waiting for your fate awaits on the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's 
what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. GCN listeners, why have you been hearing so much about Dermatol, the all-natural, all-purpose first aid spray? Because it's the must-have first aid product you need in your preparedness kit. Dermatol is made in America by Americans who know there's a more affordable, natural way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many other skin problems. Dermatol is gentle enough for diaper rash, powerful enough for bed sores, and harmless to the eyes and mouth. It's great for the whole family, even your family pets. Dermatol is antimicrobial, antifungal, anti viral and not diminished by freezing extreme heat or years in storage dermatol is an absolute must for any first aid or preparedness kit dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed order yours today call 800-217-6677 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com We're back with Paul Panister. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. On the Paracast, so the question I raise, of course, is, as you say, from person to person, from ear to ear, Steve Allen used to do this kind of thing, where he'd tell a joke. They'd have ten people on stage, and each person would relate the joke to the next person. And by the time they heard the 10th person, the joke had no resemblance whatever to the original. It may not have even been a joke. So I raise that question again, Chris, maybe you can answer. How can the Zuni elders transfer that oral tradition if we can't figure out how to tell a joke and have it spread through 10 people accurately? That's a really good point. I think we do have some models uh, cross-culturally 
that um, that do indicate that there is a way to do it accurately in a sacred ceremonial sense. In other words, if you put the fear of the gods or the goddess or creator into the process, people tend to be a little bit more diligent about how accurate they are. That's one possible answer. The other possible answer is you can't. So, you know, that's that's really important. That's why having Paul on the show, talking about journalism, talking about how we relate important stories, especially in our realm, the paranormal, UFOs, these types of things that are still mysteries to, to, to the modern age, how we relate these instances occurrences, reports, events to each other is crucial because what we're doing is we're, we're slowly creating, you know, modern mythos. And I think Jacques Vallée, that's one of the things that I most admire about the man is he really pegged that early on in this particular realm of the paranormal and UFOs. He pegged it perfectly. It's not so much the event and the person experiencing it. It's how that thing filters, how that event and that experience filters into the culture. And this is really important territory. And it's a really good subject to explore further with Paul. Paul, you've been in the driver's seat in the paranormal for the Inquirer uh, you, seven years. You know, how do you, how do you reconcile that? I mean, I know you're a, a good journalist and a good reporter, and you, you were, made every effort that you could to be as accurate as possible. But you're given a story to, you know, people that are rewriting the story at the Inquirer. How accurate were they when, when you, they oh, got actually- your information? Oh, actually, with with my information, they're usually pretty good. Um, I was in a happy situation in many ways with the Inquirer because the stories I was doing were not, by and large, not celebrity stories. They were stories about the paranormal. I do adventure stories, crime stories, and so on. And the headlines for them, the the lead sheet, the the idea of the story wrote itself before I started to go on it. If if it was amazing ghost uh, attacks on on a house, you see, then I'd go and I'd find out what it was. It it didn't need to be precast. But if, you know, they were writing a story about, um, you know, Doris Day's last days, they've had probably eight or nine of those (laughs) in the tabloid. A lot of fact checkers. She she keeps dying, you know. They say, look, you know, it's Doris last, Doris's last days. Let's let's um, you know investigate her terrible, tragic story. Then somebody's left saddled with the responsibility of making them into her last days, even if they're not. For me, it's a ghost story. I go and get a ghost story and come back with it, and it's what's there. That's that's really what, and get somebody to say it's real. That's the other thing. That, it, 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 saying what's real. Earlier on, we said if you've seen something, it's much more convincing to you because you've seen it yourself and you trust your own eyes. Somebody else reports it. It's not too convincing. Here's a, here's a thing that really happened to me and I can't explain it, but maybe you can. I was down in Sao Paulo. I was doing some stories down there in Brazil and um, I heard about a, a nearby town called Mogi das Cruces where a family had been under some kind of demonic attack. I don't speak any Portuguese and so I had an interpreter with me and we went along and we interviewed the police chief. He said he'd seen, he'd been to this house, and he believed that somebody had hired a, a witch doctor, Macumbera, to put a hex on the family. And he'd been to the house when a bare plaster wall seemed to be burning up in flames. And he realized there's no heat. He put a banknote in among the flames, and it didn't burn it, and there's no heat on his hand. This is the police chief. I mean, a man just dripping with weaponry and badges and things, and, you know, I totally believed him. So I go along, and 
the family rented another Macumbera to take the hex off, and it seemed to have worked after a day or two. But the first day I was there, I'm standing about five or six feet from this green plastic sofa, and the back split open in three parallel lines, as if somebody had clawed it open. It was right next to me. I mean, just four feet away. Nobody was between me and it. I certainly didn't do it, and there was no way to do it. I was kind of impressed. Anyway, things were going on there. Then it stopped when they brought in this other witch doctor. So the interpreter said to me, look, we should interview the witch doctor who took the hex off. And I said, well, that's not going to add any credibility to my story. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. Let's get out of here. I want a scientist to say it's really happened, not some guy with bones and feathers in him, you know. And the next part of the story just runs on. How are we doing before we go to a break on this? Because I've got another couple of minutes worth. Okay, right now we have about two minutes. Okay, good. So that night I had my dinner in Sao Paulo. I'm having a chicken pot pie, and I crunch on something. It's a piece of glass, like a cube of glass that come out of a windshield. So I call a maitre d' over. I said, I'm indignant. He said, we didn't make it on the premises. I'm terribly sorry. Dinner's on us. The next night I'm in Rio. I'm coming to fly home to... I'm overnighting in Rio. Go in the hotel bar. I have a mixed drink, piece of glass in, in among the ice. The glass isn't chipped. Barman shows me this rubber thing that clean it with. It couldn't have done it. Sorry about that, free drinks, bub it up. I go home, I'm back in South Florida the next night, and I went to the fridge, I did something unusual. I opened a can of Coke, don't normally drink Coke, I just kids had left it there, and I poured it into a glass, and I, there's a tinkle, and there's a cube of glass in there. Three nights, 24-hour cycle, three cubes of glass. And two continents. And I said, I don't know what this is, but I guess that witch doctor sent me a message. He didn't frighten me, he didn't hurt me. But I guess he sent me a message and said, be respectful. That's the only explanation I've got for that. I, wow. I, no other explanation. And that happened. Uh, it sounds like you picked up a programmed hitchhiker. <laughs> no, I've never been bothered since. I think he just said, I'm going to send this guy a message, three bits of glass. And, but it, well, what'd your wife one think came that? out of a sealed can of Coke. I can't believe that. Did your wife make you go outside and re-wipe your shoes before you came in? Or <laughs> did, did she try to smudge you with some sage? Or <laughs> We're going we're gonna to shift gears here. I, I'm sure you're going to love this question. This comes from Pong, who's a longtime poster on our forum. Mr. Bannister, please tell us some naughty things about the British royal family, things we aren't supposed to know. Do the royals attend the Bilderberg meetings? And the darkest question of all, was Princess Diana murdered? If so, by whom and for what reason? Well, let's deal with the last bit of it first. And um, also, we have about 30 seconds left for this segment. So start the answer. We'll pick it up on the next one. Okay. Well, die being murdered, that's, um, there's a lot of thought about that in Britain. And nobody's yet resolved it. Nobody's proved anything. Uh, the only thing that's known is that she certainly is dead. <laughs> um there are a lot of politics about that and about her, the possibility that she was pregnant with, yeah. with an heir to the throne. Mm, we'll get into more of that in a moment. Paul Bannister joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in the Paracast.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Local Army Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits. Magnesium fire-starting tools, strike anywhere, waterproof, and storm matches. First aid kits, splints, tourniquets, parachute 550 cord, military manuals, sandbags by the bail, and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need. Call 207-989-6783, 207-989-6783, or visit MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, the main name in military supply. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with pre-pass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without pre-pass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try pre-pass free. That's 888-401-PASS. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful complex crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com. That's Z E O King.com for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? 
something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Paul Bannister for two more segments. The book is Tabloid Man. You can get a copy on his site if you click on his name, Paul Bannister, on our site, thepowercast.com. You'll go right to his place where you can place your order, get the ebook, printed book, whatever you like. And we posed a question, or Chris did, courtesy of one of our forum members, about Princess Diana, about the rumors about her death, a conspiracy, whatever. And you mentioned that it was thought she might be pregnant. Of course, they could have determined that with an autopsy, but we kind of think that information would be kept secret, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's remarkable to know what governments can keep secret and what is politic to know and what isn't politic to know. But I think the royals would not have been happy to have had an Arab grandson, and that would have been the case if she were pregnant. I think they would not have been happy, even if she were not pregnant, if she'd gone ahead and married Al-Fayed. They would not have wanted the one-time wife of the heir to the throne to be, um, to be married to a, a, a... Look how traditional they were about choosing her. She had to be white. She had to have an aristocratic background. She had to be a virgin. It was just ludicrous. It's so medieval, it's not true. And to have her marrying somebody else later would not have fitted, uh, somebody unsuitable would not have fitted with the royal's idea of propriety. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of thought still that she was hounded down. I mean, Henri Paul, you know, was certainly had been drinking. He wasn't supposed to be the driver. Did the British Secret Service, you know, uh, insert him? Were they looking for the chance? Was it choreographed? A lot of people believe it was. And I don't think we'll ever really know, not until the 50-year rules up and, and, and relevant official secrets. Well, are the royals up to no good, or are they just no, relics? No, not, not by themselves. No, they're just leeches on the public purse. You know, there's a handful of them that do a good job, but the, the clan is so huge. And here's Prince Charles, you know, rabbiting on about leaving a tiny carbon footprint, and he's flying around the world with a staff of 26 to do it. He's got six or seven palaces and he's preaching to the rest of the world to make do with less. I mean, absolute stupid hypocrite, even though he did once share a sardine with me. Tell us about him. <laughs> well, sardine, was, not a herring or a mackerel, a sardine. Huh? A sardine and a strip of toast the size of your little finger. I was um, <laughs> sent to as the royal rotor reporter. When, when, when the royals go somewhere, they don't always have an entourage of reporters if it's a difficult place to get to. And he was going to an oil rig in the North Sea. So my paper sent me uh, to report for all the newspapers. You see, instead of shipping out 25 reports, they sent out one idiot. So uh, you were embedded. I, yeah, I think they helped the helicopter would crash while I was out there. <laughs> so anyway, I went out there and, and he flew in in his helicopter and uh, blah, 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 blah. I did his thing. I, I knocked out a story. I called it in. And it was early afternoon. I was starving hungry. And I ran up to the wardroom where he was standing with these BP directors and there's a steward going around, um, you know, handing out plates of canapes and things. And so I shove into the circle next to HRH and, um, and I see that the steward had put this plate down on the table behind us and it had one strip of toast with a sardine on it. 
So I shift my glass to my other hand and put my hand back there to get it. As I'm stealthily removing it, it tugged back at me. And I look and Prince Charles is on the other end of it. He's doing the same thing, you know. <laughs> so I let go at once. I thought, well, you know, if I don't let go, I might end up beheaded or in the Tower of London or something. <laughs> and uh, he says, no, 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 old boy. He said, we'll share it. <laughs> he tore this sardine and bit of toast into two. And we each ate a half. And I, I, I'm sure those BP directors, they just wanted to throw me off the oil rig right there and then and leave me offshore. <laughs> uh, so that was that's a classic. My, that's one of my touches with royalty, shared a sardine. Well, after all, he is the Prince of Wales. <laughs> yeah, right. So at least they could have had some blubber on board or something. I mean, yeah, come right. on. It's a funny story. <laughs> Well, here, here's a, actually a very good question, um, and I'm going to combine um, actually two posters questions into one. And basically, uh, Ufology, who is a, um, a member for a year, and Century, who is a, a new member, are wondering if there's any way that we can differentiate from the mainstream media what is baloney and what is real. And um, Century says, I'm guessing that how we would do that starts with anonymous or unnamed sources. Give us some inside kind of scoop on how we can look at a, a just, you know, a normal mainstream news story and determine whether it's been tabloidized or whether we're looking at something that's that's totally accurate. Is there any way to differentiate between the two? On the face of it, you say it's difficult, but first of all, you apply your own common sense. I mean, you, whatever the story is, you know, if 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 the story is, you know, a weekly world news story that, uh, you know, that um, Hillary Clinton's pregnant by a space alien, it's probably or, or not true. is going to have Bigfoot as a, as a running yeah. mate, I think was an Enquirer headline. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the actually, one of the things quickly to say is that the Enquirer never carried those stories. The, the, the weekly world news did it that was a college paper that was um you know it was a paper aimed at college students and they ran you know bat boy and all those made-up stories of stuff of about three people invented those and did a wonderful job wonderful job very funny very it was it was an, uh, an early version of the onion you know the onion yeah but uh, what's baloney and what's real well often you you have to run an unnamed source because it's somebody who's a tipster who's telling a whistleblower perhaps who's telling you something that his boss doesn't want known. And your editor knows if it's real. And, you know, you've got to name that source to your own, to your own organization. But, of course, you can't print the name, partly because, A, you'd burn him, and, B, you'd never get anything from him again. So I guess it's really down to your own common sense. Is this something that um, a government agency would not want known? For what reason? If it's something that you'd say, well, I can't see why they wouldn't want that known, so why can't they name the guy? Then you've got to look at it with some suspicion. But by and large, the reputable newspapers, you know, we're talking the LA Times, New York Times, Chicago Trib, whatever, CNN, they're not going to carry an unnamed source without good reason. I think, you know, you can still trust those people well enough. I mean, some people are going to say, well, I don't trust that paper because it's got the opposite political view to mine. But it still is not in the paper's interest in the long term. Right. There's standards invent. of journalism that you have to adhere to. Yeah, you can't invent. There's too many people can, can become an instant reporter on the Internet now. 
and we we all get those spam things or the stupid little stories about you know how it's raining cats and dogs because in the middle ages people put the cats in the thatch of the roof you know and oh give me a break you you know that these things are just made up by some 15 year old somewhere who who wants to uh, cause confusion gotta worry about them 15 year olds right yeah. They should probably get that 15-year-old to, to be the script writer for the, your you know, new reality show that's coming out next week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And actually, you know, you see these reality shows. I can tell you something about those because I did work on things like Survivor. They're scripted. They're scripted and edited like you wouldn't believe. Oh, yeah. Those Mark people Burnett. are given roles to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're, they're given a role to play. You're going to be a hero. You're going to be the vamp. You're going to be uh, you're going to be a slut. Um, it's all like wrestling. Hateful. It's all like professional wrestling. It, it really is. It really yeah. is. Yeah, and it's interesting that some professional wrestlers come out to be pretty decent actors, like The Rock. The I think The Rock is a perfectly presentable, charismatic actor. We're, we're a fairly decent politician. We had, uh, of course, Jesse Ventura on the show, and yeah, yeah, we were yeah. quite impressed with his uh, his very down to earth and and very objective, sober view of um, of conspiracy theories, which is right, right. something he's very interested in. Yeah, and and he's been in a position to uh, to see some of those inside uh, inside materials that uh, that don't get uh, exposed publicly. You've got to remember that the public, that's me and you. We don't get to see what the policymakers are actually seeing. To help we're seeing the spin, but right now we're going to talk about this. You're listening to Paul Bannister on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, and always and forever you're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is heart and body extract. My name is Span, and I'm 68 years old, and I live in Vermont. In the spring of 2003, I started to have problems with my heart. It felt like my heart was pounding. It made me feel breathless. I tried many, many different things to try to get some help for myself. Nothing did anything. Heart and Body Extract is very powerful, very effective, and works quickly. I saw one of Sharon's ads and ordered Heart and Body Extract. I noticed a difference quickly, within days. The episodes became less frequent, and by a month, they completely vanished. Usually, you find a 30-day or 60-day guarantee. Heart and Body Extract comes with a lifetime 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. 
Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... Crossbreedholsters.com. 235 years ago, our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence to escape tyranny and oppression. Today, there is a need to reinforce that declaration. What can we do to protect our health as a nation and in our homes from those who wish to control the quality of our air and water? To find out, you need to visit airandaqua.com right now or call 612-767-2777. You will receive a free copy of our Constitution, a newsletter, and bonus items. Air and Aqua.com. Purify your life today. You've heard great things about Berkey. You've been thinking of getting a Berkey water purification system, but for some reason, you haven't made your purchase just yet. Okay, here's one more reason to buy the best water purification system you can buy now. The Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com is giving away free Pelican flashlights. Yes, with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system from the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com, you'll receive a free Pelican 2360 LED flashlight, a $39 value. But it won't last long, only now through July 15th. Hurry, call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, or shop online at GoBerkey.com. That's Go, B-E-R-K-E-Y.com. No coupon code necessary. A free Pelican flashlight is yours with every purchase of any Berkey water purification system only at GoBerkey.com or by calling 877-886-3653. Hurry, offer ends July 15th. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. This is the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. This is our final segment with Paul Bannister. The book is Tabloid Man talking about conspiracy theories, the supernatural of the UFOs, entertainment figures, his experiences working with the National Enquirer. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris, are there any more questions left unanswered? There aren't, but I have one for you, Paul. Let's say uh, I'm a Paracast listener out there. I've got some talent. I'm, you know, got away with words. I'm a wordsmith. I want to get involved in journalism. Would you encourage me? Uh, would you tell me to like start my own blog? Uh, what sort of advice do you have to up-and-coming writers with talent that want to get involved in the paranormal subjects that we discuss here on this show? How would you advise them to um, get involved and, and, and gain some legitimacy and, uh, and, and hone their craft? I mean, what advice do you have for us? Well, you, you just said it right there, didn't you? You said blog. You said that word. Um, and that's probably the way it's going. Print journalism is dying. It's dying on its feet. It's dying because people are not buying print. And the, the matrix, the paradigm here is that is not the, the, the New York Times, for instance, sold its building and leased a couple of floors back so they can continue to work there. The San Francisco Chronicle is losing a million dollars a week, apparently. 
the LA Times, all the print, the major print outlets are in difficulty. And it's for a reason. And, and if you go and look at the, uh, you know, uh, on the magazine shelves, you'll see masses and masses of magazines. And they're subspecialty magazines. It's not just guns and ammo. Now it's down to small handguns with pearl handles, you know. <laughs> and they're probably run by a staff of three people. I mean, I know of magazines in London where the same crew have worked on probably five magazines in as many years. They, they, they start one up. It runs for a few months. The novelty sustains it. it. Circulation starts to fail. They fold it. They think of a new title, and they start another one up. You know, parenthetically here, Paul, in this country, we used to have a lot of these small publishers of newsstand magazines. And the way they survive would be the advance. They get an advance from the distributor. You get so much based on the potential sales and a proportion of, of the book, as they called it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they would put out as many books as possible to get all those advances. And then, of course, if some didn't earn out their advance, right. they cut them out and bring out others. Now, of course, you can't do that. No. But now you do have, you do have um, the ability to self-publish or you've got the web. You can start blogs on the web. I, I mean, I, I run a blog on, on, on Bannister Books. And it's nothing to do with the book. It's just there to attract people. I'm, I'm running old stories. I'm running a, a weekly uh, epistle, St. Paul's epistle, uh, which I sent to my friends, but I started to publish it, you see. This actually is, is a lazy man's way of doing it, Gene. Um, I get my friends to write back, and then I just cut and paste their material, stick it in, and put a bit of my own, a bit of spin of my own. Yeah, take and notes, listeners. Take notes. Yeah, and it works. People people like the blog. They they read the blog. So I would guess this this is the time of of night and fog in in newspapers and magazines. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what obstacles are in the way. But the internet's here to stay. So if you're a successful blogger and you have an interest in a particular field, say you you know you might be a, a, an outdoorsman or something like that, and you might say, well, I'm going to run a blog about outdoors in in the michigan peninsula you know and um build you build a readership that way right so find find a target market and really uh go for it Mm -hmm. exploit exploit what you know do what you know and do what you like to do because that way you'll keep doing it and and it'll it'll come across fresh and exciting and people will will respond to it and resonate with it the authentic shows up people know what's fake they really do as I'm saying, you can tell whether a story is real, even if there is an unnamed source in it. You can usually have a good sense of what it is. If it's too good to be true, you know, the truism is. <laughs> well, I, I think sage, sage words of advice. And uh, right. for all you aspiring investigative journalists out there, especially in the realm of the paranormal, uh, you know, create, create a new way to do it. I think uh, we're right at a point now. We're at the quincunx, I think would be the word of how journalism and how writing is going to shift from the old uh, paradigm of, of print media into this wonderful, wild, wacky world of the Internet and the blogosphere. And, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of impact, uh, especially in the political realm of the blogs. I think uh, a lot of politicians are running scared right now when it comes to having to deal with some of the more uh, vocal bloggers out there. 
how do you how do you how do you wade through the how do you wade through well, an you know, idea? Yeah, while you're talking, the thought just occurred to me. There's a perfect example for, to answer this question. There's a, a fellow called Nick Redfern. He's um, he's an author. He's written. He's a Brit, actually. Yeah, but um, he's a friend of ours. He's actually our guest co-host when Chris isn't available. I have fabulous. Nick, so he's well, on several times a year. Excellent. So he's he's a perfect example. He's a man who's written. He's found an area. He writes well about it. He blogs about it, and he's created his own newspaper, as it were. Now, what Nick also does is he links it to things like the Anomalist, so which is a wonderful. You know the Anomalist, of course, a wonderful daily source. It's one of the first things I read every morning. And as you say, they're getting notice of of events, paranormal events around the world within minutes. These are these are two outlets who've harnessed the internet and successfully done it too. In a discriminating I, I manner. Really impressive. You, They've evolved. You don't, you don't see anything on the anomalous that isn't worth going and checking out. I have never gone to a story that they link to that interested me that, that I was let down by. No, I think Pat really does a good job that way. And you see uh, across the spectrum of stories as well. They don't carry stories, they carry links. And exactly. it's, I mean, no, I, I think it's a wonderful, but it's, it's an example of how journalism's evolved yeah. and has to evolve. It, it has to go that way. You know, the, 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 it's not the smartest or the strongest. It's the one who changes quickest, who survives. Right. You know? Well, I'm just waiting for Kindle to come out with a little sensor that as soon as you electronically turn a page, it, it, it puffs out a little bit of, of smell of newsprint. Oh yeah, they're talking about that for TV now, aren't they? That's the um, <laughs> they're talking about putting smells onto uh, on advanced television, so that when you're watching, you know, a jungle movie, you're going to get all the all the right smells. Smell o vision, that yeah, is John sense. Waters, uh, you know, scratch and sniff, baby. That's it. <laughs> of course, right now they're trying to sell 3D TVs, and they're not doing well. No. no Who wants to see 3D? If you got to wear the glasses, and the glasses can cost a hundred fifty dollars. For some of these glasses, for some of these sets, they have what they call passive and active. Passive is what you get free from the movie Tripleplex, you know, multiplex, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And active has electronic circuitry, has to be battery powered. It's a mess. Well, the, the, the smell, smell of vision is going to work because my dog's always doing scratch and sniff. <laughs> we don't want to know where that nose has been. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see him wearing 3D specs. Yeah, why do they do that, Paul? Because they can. They can, yes. <laughs> and a milk truck backed over him while he was lying in the driveway. Um, oh, that's oh dear me. It's yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's the way your journalism's going, isn't it? The anomalist. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick Redford. Get ready for the brave new world of uh, of total electronic uh, <laughs> journalism and media. Electronic and only, or video, or something like that. Okay, Paul Bannister, tell us where we can find more of the stuff that you write about. Well, oh, the, 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 uh, the mother load, of course, is bannisterbooks.com. And my book, uh, Tabloid Man uh, and the Battling Chair of Death, is on Amazon as a Kindle, and that's worldwide. That's uh, US, UK, Australia, Germany, so on. Um, it's available in print in the UK, and it'll be a couple more weeks before it's available in print in the US. But if you go to BannisterBooks.com, the updates are there. You can see it. You can actually read a sample. Um, you can read the blog. And, oh, yeah, do go and listen to the voice of the ghost. There's a story there we didn't touch on, but um, it's explained on the, on the homepage of the site, BannisterBooks.com. 
and you can hear a, a, a ghost that's intelligent. It corrects what I say and gives accurate information. Absolutely, Absolutely genuine and just gives me chills to think about it. Smart ghosts. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? OurStrangePlanet.com, and I lurk about the forum at theparacast.com. Right, that's forum.theparacast.com. Join up, participate. Paul Bannister, thank you so much for joining us this week on The Paracast. Gentlemen, the Queen sends her regards to you, and I do too. I've enjoyed this. I enjoy the show enormously. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.